Now, very good day to all of you listeners out there. We are back for another episode, part three of our election series. Now, by the time of this recording, no new government has been formed, no prime minister has been appointed, but I think by the time you watch this video, there will be a new prime minister. So joining me today is my co-host, Lyra, and also our frequent guest, Lanshi. Hi. <laughs> now today I want to do something a bit different and not really, you know, go into all the different topics that we usually go through or look at articles and things like that. But we do have questions from our viewers, right? I think Lyra, you have compiled them. And I, I think we, we kind of chose a broad range of questions, hopefully to give some of our take on the, the just completed election, right? Yep. So so Lyra, I, I pass it to you. Yep. So the first question is that, is GPS really for the freedom of religion and the practices of the customs and cultures of various ethnic groups in Sarawak as claimed by Abanjo? So what's your take on this? Because earlier on, we saw in the Malay Mail on the 20th of November that Abanjo, basically he agrees to form government with BN, PN and also GRS. So he said that GPS participation is really for the bigger picture, really for the protection and the freedom of religion in Sarawak. I think what really struck me was the speed, how fast they came to, to that decision. And, you know, Mohidin went over uh, to meet with them. And the next day, they sort of announced. And of course, the other thing really is, I mean, besides this point, is how they just kind of ditched their long-term partner, Barisan National. And of course, after all the outreach, but coming back to your questions, you know, I think those in the know-how and those who have studied the pattern of GPS and of course, before they rebranded themselves, they are Barisan National Sarawak. Yep. They have never been about freedom. Now, of course, they will say, oh, we have 60 plus percent of Christians. We have, you know, different ethnic. We have the native. We need to ensure uh, the, the religious extremist doesn't come to, to, to Sarawak. They, they always use this tactic, but it, it's like, that's the, to me, it's an old story. You know? they, they always do that and say, I can be the defender of the Sarawak people. But I'm not sure how many people realize that PAS actually contested in one seat. Bersatu actually contested in one seat and won yep. in Saratok. So what are you talking about? You, you know, you're already letting the wolves into your backyard. And now one of the things about GPS, which is maybe besides the point, is how they hijack the whole Sarawak first message. And they say, we are the defender. But if we look at history, they are the one who betray the state. And, but it's a very uh, beneficial mutual relationship with UMNO for a very long time. So that would be my initial thought to, to this. Mm, yeah. I mean... Mm, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like a lot of this is also like the Sarawakians saying that we do not want the Semenanjung mm -hmm. uh, politics to come into Sarawak. But then you, you know, now you have actually Pakatan National contested in four seat. So one of the four seat is, is passed. And then the other one is the one uh, that's won by the, the Sarato candidate. Yep. Um, then how about that? Because yeah. And I was just reminded of one of the articles that you shared earlier on that initially I think PAS was expecting to contest in at least five in mm -hmm. Sarawak. 
Yep, yep. So without the prior agreement or approval by GPS, how would they even be able to mm. contest over there? And knowing that later on, based on what you say, the speed of them trying to form a government with Perikata National, it's just, it looks like there is a pre-agreement. And, and previously, and that's why I think uh, the other question we want to talk about is what uh, YB Henayo said and sort of, created a lot of response, thousands of comments. Uh, but I wanted to just highlight that, you know, GPS was saying, look, we want to bang Awang Hadi <laughs> coming to Sarawak. I remember all those kind of thing. And all of a sudden, PAS had 44 seats and we always knew about their agenda. Now, GPS will say, well, Pakatan Rakyat those days also partner with PAS, but it is not the PAS that has 44 parliament seats. So I think that the situation is very, very different. And also the, the ambition of past has been made very, very clear in the last couple of years, how they want to do it, especially, uh, you know, with, with Awang Hadi being the new uh, dominant leader, I, I think the direction is pretty clear. So, so from a Sarawak point of view, I think it's really very disappointing for GPS. Now, of course, a lot of people may not have voted for GPS, but their messaging is Sarawak first. We protect, we protect our constitutional right, those kind of things. And I think they just fell very, very miserably. Yeah, I mean, um, just yesterday, I read in one of the articles in uh, Nikkei, and N-I-K-K-E-I, you know, the, the Japan newspaper, Japanese yeah. news, mm-hmm. newspaper. Uh, I, I don't know whether this is taken out of context or is quoted correctly, but... but it says that uh, Awang Hadi has this vision to form a Malaysia Islamic state by 2051. You know, what is Abang Joe's take on this? I mean, now you already have past contesting in the, the, the land of Sarawak. Um, and, and, and knowing that Awang Hadi has this vision in 30 years time, how do you, you know, what are you going to tell the Sarawakian? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think it's really one of the themes, you know, I get now, now I go back to vote this time and talking to friends and some will be, some are voting GPS, very, very few. Uh, but some are also like, oh, we're interested in the Sarawak first parties, you know, fighting for independence. But one of the very general statements, now I'm not referring to a particular statement, but the general drift. And it's a very negative drift, which is, what happens in Malaya has nothing to do with us. But I think this election just shows that what happens in Malaya has everything to do with Sarawak. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if GPS go into a federal government with P and you have 20 plus seats, the rest of them has 70 seats. What kind of policy is being driven? How much can you protect yourself? And it's a matter of time before, if, before all these Islamic, Islam extremists a behavior coming in. Now, of course, they will say, oh, it won't happen in Sarawak. It's just kind of like the, the fraud in the cattle kind of situation. Mm. Bit by bit, you know, they, they will come. So that, that's the thing I, I want to, to, to say to my Sarawakian friends. If you have this kind of mindset, I really want you to open your eyes and see what's happening now. That even in Samananjong, the whole map is split into two. We have the blue and green, we call it teal color, you know, a bit like the Australian teal. Then we have the Pakatan basically dominating Klang, Klang Valley, Johor, and it's also urban, rural kind of divide. And this is not going to go away anytime soon. 
So when you look at this, all of a sudden, East Malaysia has a great opportunity to be the game changer. And so that's something I think people need to think very, very carefully, not just Sarawak, but Sabah also. And you see what's the net effect? Amno uh, has been dominating Sabah for so long and now they are being pushed out because the Sabahan saw that Amno brought nothing but destruction. Mm. So when will Sarawak see that? Yeah, I think it's also interesting that it takes a YB from West Malaysia to actually point out that mm -hmm. you Sarawakians and Sabahans, you guys should wake up and then you let the political parties who represent the best interests to basically say that, look, you want a multiracial sort of government and it's not a government that sort of toy around with the racial and religious sort of issue. And yet, it is the retiree of SUPP that <laughs> voice out yeah, I yeah. I mean, what irony is that? Lily Yon, George Chan, all this. And what is the present GPS leadership, especially uh, SUPP? What are you saying? I mean, Dong King Sing say something, but very, very vaguely. But it's just like the classic Malaysian politics behavior, right? You know, just stonewall the whole thing and, and don't admit to anything. That is a very bad kind of precedent, I guess. Uh, but anyway, I, I think in days to come, we'll be talking more about this because this is just the beginning of, of the reckoning. When I say reckoning, I mean people coming to have a greater understanding and ultimately having to make a decision. Where do we stand? Yeah. And so, so I, I don't see this as a negative thing and because people need to see before they can decide. Yep. And, and this time, I think we have been given, we have been afforded a, a greater revelation that, that will allow us to, to, I guess, decide more accurately in the future. Yep. So let's go on to the next portion, whereby, so just now we talk about PASS. Mm -hmm. So PASS actually, um, Hadi Awan, so he mentioned that PASS would like to thank everyone, <laughs> especially the young voters. <laughs> Who, for putting their trust in us and Berikatan National. <laughs> so it seems like they were super confident mm. even mm. before they even reached the... I mean, they mm -hmm. haven't finished counting. They were already so confident that they're going to get a lot of seats yeah. from the young voters and especially at the northern part of Malaysia. Yeah, I was just... Uh, you know, you know, Siti Kasim, she, she went to Batu and, and she lost quite badly. But she came out and made a point and say, look, you know, PASS seems to have a lot of support. But of course, we know that PASS always have a very strong grassroots game. Now, we are still waiting for all the data analysis. In fact, the other day, we were just talking, you know, can we get some MySPR data, you know, because we can look at the trend, UNDI 18 trend. But of course, people are already saying that, look, Prekata National got 70 plus because of UNDI 18. Now, I, I'm not quite sure I agree with that because if you look at Clan Valley, you look at a lot of places, uh, Pakatan did very, very well. So I'm more inclined to think that it is still more of a class war, more of an urban-rural divide. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, what, another example they used was Nur Iza's uh, seat. And they say it, it could be a swing, but we haven't seen the data yet. These are just... Uh, ground sentiment, you know, the feeling, you know, the feeling, <laughs> which is, I mean, you and me, we all have feeling how, how the election goes. And we could be right, we could be wrong. It, you know, like my seat, Cebu P212, you know, uh, DAP won surprisingly by 7,000 votes. 
And when people are expecting maybe there's going to be a pro-independence drift. So, so where does it come from? Is it the old voter? Is it the young voter? That's right. We won't know until the data come up. But it'll be interesting. I, I'm really keen to, to know what is the real impact. Now, we don't even know at this stage what is the turnout rate for Undi 18. Yep. Mm, yeah. I mean, it would be quite interesting to, to, to see more data. But you're just saying that how, what, how many votes overall PH has as compared to Pakatan National? They have a million plus? Yeah, a few million. Uh, yeah. At least two million plus more. Talking about popular votes. Pop, yeah, that's right. Talking about popular votes. Mm. That is very significant. You know, that two million votes, where does it come from? Mm-hmm. From, from which group? Yeah. I mean, you look at Clan Valley, you look at Sepute, you look at Kepong, it, it's like, you, you look at... PJ. <laughs> yeah, look at Sagambo, Henayo's uh, constituent. It, it's like, it's like 30,000, 40,000, 30,000, 40,000. So, I, I don't think more people voted for Prekatan, seriously, but it's just where they vote. Yeah, for example, the place that I voted, Bangi. Bangi, I think, is, is you can't say it's a very Chinese area or you know, it's a very Malay area or very Indian area. It's really like a mix. Yep. But uh, it's, still, it's still Malay majority, I guess. Yeah. It's still Malay majority. Malay majority. But, but uh, PH Sharazan won by huge margin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that... that is so it's not one. just race, mm. you know. It's a class. I, I think it's urban, rural divides. And, but of course, time will tell. But election, of course, is a margin. It's a game of margin. You, you just need about 10% swing mm. and that's enough. I, I mean, both sides can look at a whole list of seats and say, oh, it's only 1,000. It's only 500. Mm. We could have won that. We could have won that. Pakatan could have said about 10, 15 seats. But Muhyiddin could say the same. Pass could say the same. Yeah. Yes. But I suppose like what you were saying that they were, maybe the young voters, they are more ideologically mm. driven. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So hence, if they see someone who is more maybe approachable to them, like talking about like Pematan Pao, yeah, they they think that rather than parachuting someone else from Klang Valley, mm-hmm. they would rather have someone that is more down to earth that they can relate. That whichever time they can just hello, MP. Yeah, this was what <laughs> I was reading. You know, they they were saying that a, a lot of the because it is a it's a kind of not not quite town. It, it's a bit more towards rural. And they say there's a lot of mud rampit there and things like that. Without looking at the breakdown of the data, they are saying that these new voters lean towards Nuru Iza's opponent mm. because of the propaganda. I mean, the, the, I wouldn't say propaganda, because of the presentation, I guess, by Brigata National. But how much of this is social media? Because we talk about the first wave. Yep. Uh, you know, almost 10 years ago, it was really... It started off with the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that really facilitated the, the, the change. And this time around, we see maybe, you know, like, like social media play a part in, uh, af- uh, you know, just affecting how the young voters mm. vote. Uh, and you can see the, 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 the politician, they, they, uh, they also tailor to that, that yep. market. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, they tailor I think, their presentation, mm. you know, their charama and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the social media, and and sometimes it's like the crowd. But of course, ov- over the last few general elections, we, we always can see it. crowd doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> That's and right. I just think I just think about Cebu by election twenty ten. You know, the the by election of the century. I remember the last night at, at Pakatan, more than fifty thousand people came, mm. and the next day, 
DAP candidate won by 300 plus vote. Wow. So, so clearly it doesn't translate to vote. And, but, but we know there's a huge impact and the way, you know, I, I guess the voters, they all have different priority. They all have different emotional meets that if you can just kind of make them feel important, yep. they will just give you, everyone only have one vote. Mm. So I, I, I guess this, this will be something to, to think about, you know, how do we reach out to, to the young generations? And, and Lyra, you were saying about they are more ideological. So, so they could be more attracted, you know, the, the rural one could be more attracted to what Prekatang has to, to say, you know, then, then the urban ones, you know, they may be more attracted to the, to the liberal, to the, to, to the progressive kind of agenda presented by the, the Pakatang candidate. So it could be that kind of divide. Yeah, I suppose like um, the things that I watch on TikTok or even peer pressure plays a lot of influence on how they are going to vote and even... I'm not sure. I mean, do you think that parents play an important role here? Or maybe the education system has totally been hijacked by all these extremists? Yeah. Talk about yeah, parents, I mean, right? It's like, Lanshi, your dad kind of asked your siblings. I think one of them never voted before. Correct. And his entire gang never voted before and they were persuaded by your father to go and vote. Yeah. And Lara, we have a few friends that they wanted to vote for one party and because of family discussion and things like that, they voted for another. So, so I think the impact is greater than we think. Yes, I think so. Because it's like, you know, if you look at the American family, right? They say the, 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 the difference in opinions, especially in politics, really can divide a family, you know? Or sports. <laughs> yeah. So I guess with the young voters, they are, especially the first time voters, uh, we are not sure how informed are they. Um, you know how 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 much they they, they the historical background basically even about PH PH we're talking about PH is like what short of twenty years fifteen twenty years so not sure how informed these young people are I guess for them probably they will just follow uh, but then again we see some young people who go and listen to Chirama and things mm -hmm. like that and they change their voting uh, pattern. Um, but that is not so... Uh, Actually, I've seen people who, who say they, they change your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After correct. Charama. Yeah, after Charama. After yeah. Charama. We, we, we have seen people like that. Yeah, that's right. Like for my, for, for my father, he's very p politically opinionated. Mm -hmm. So he will just, uh, you know, for, for my brother, he, he's just like, just starting to learn. So of course he's... A, quite affected you know by 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 what we told him basically. you know both political camp they will have people who are quite fixed in terms of who, who they are vote I think most of us here we are quite fixed in terms of who we're going to vote <laughs> you know? and but then you have that you know this time around they say that undecided maybe it's as high as 35 percent mm, I mean the data is still flowing out in fact they have very sophisticated way of tracking for example, if a candidate is, is contesting this round and also GE14, they can look at his or her result in GE14 and then look at this election, how many new voters in mm. which Saloran. And they can just kind of come out and say, look, they, they are receiving X percent of only 18, for example. So that will be very, very interesting analysis because 
I, I think if we have time to get the data, maybe in subsequent episode, like like if they drift towards, uh, is it based on racial religion or is it more based on urban rural? You know, I I, I like to to see now. Of course, it's not hundred percent accurate because it's only a sampling. But I think it will give us some indication where where the new voters are drifting and. and and what are the opportunities, I guess, for the political party to, to win them back? Uh, I would say it's not just restricted to just the political party, how they can actually glean the benefit of mm -hmm. all this thing from this data analysis. It's also like commoners, like you and I. Yep. How, how can we actually play a part in all this thing? It's like uh, in the States, you see mama bears begin to just like really like go into the school boards and really just like say no. Uh, we don't want certain sort mm -hmm. of education. We don't want a critical race theory. So I think yep. that's the part where if there are more political analysts that would do this sort of analysis and make it more readily available to the people and in a format that people will find it to be yep. interesting, I think there are maybe more avenues for a lot of people to mm -hmm. participate than, than maybe compared to the last GE. Yeah, just on this point, now remember leading up to GE15, so many influencers, so many channels, so many programs are going into the political mode, you know, and they're giving so much space to politicians. And I hope this continues because political education, voting education takes time. Yep, and that's right. it's just not the, the two weeks. And so, so if, if the influencers, maybe they move on, you know, maybe they're more arts and entertainment, maybe they're more satire or comedy, but we really need more people to... to be in this arena, not, not just like doing shows like this, but even looking at policies, looking at record, you know, how many people will say, oh, this, now the other day I was just talking to one of our friends, now I don't want to say which location, you know, <laughs> and because, you know, we always have a joke with him because he's like, doesn't matter who I vote, no difference, you know, those kind of mindset. Then he's like, I look at the candidate, I do not know a single one of them. I do not know what is their background. I do not know what is their achievement. So, so I think there should be some kind of voter guide, right? I mean, now we have World Cup. You actually have team's guideline. You <laughs> know right. all the stats. This is a dangerous play. Even if you are uh, like a, you never watched football before, or you know number nine is good, you know number 10 is dangerous. But when it comes to voting, we are like, just tembak like that. That's right. It's like, you know, I'm just reminded. I think Malaysian, we still vote quite... Uh, along the party line. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. we look at party first and then yeah. candidate. But maybe it will come a day where we will be looking at the candidate. Um, and and, and some, some of them, they come up with this voter guide, especially, you know, the, the candidate has been running the office in the past. What, what, what is their achievement? What have they done? You know, what, how do they use the money uh, from, from, from the, the past few years they were in office? And then what about the 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 the, the other options, the alternative, the alternative? Mm -hmm. You know, what what do they have to offer? What is the difference between between the different candidates? So this type of voter guide, I guess, is is quite useful if we talk about because if you look at Malaysia now, you know, so many parties, it will come a day where we probably will be looking more at the candidate at a local, uh, regional level rather than just federal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you look at Parliament 212, 222, sorry, and it's not that hard, right? I mean, it's not a lot of information and, and yet we, we don't even have that. Uh, I think it's like, just look at how, what's your record in Parliament voting. 
uh, what's your I mean some people did their attendance yeah but but not much not not much beyond that and you know how about serving your constituent uh, what about raising up certain issue how many press conference so I think those are measurable uh, result yeah. that we should subject the politicians because if you don't do but now of course you, you get some now I agree with you Lanshi that generally people still vote for party but then you have people like Larry Sun. <laughs> <laughs> then you have people like Tiong King Singh you know then, they, we're just talking about some of the people who are like larger than life even Mark Sabu like that you know he won so comfortably and we're just saying that you know Rafizi is kind of going into that level already you know yep. just by the by the 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 person itself, that level of leadership, right. people just right. recognize. Yeah, the branding is there. Mm. So, but not many, not many. I, I mean, it's a handful of people like that. Yeah, but voter guide will be very useful mm-hmm. to 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 really also keep the politician accountable. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you are not performing, we do not want you to run the office. You are representing us. You know, that's how democracy works. But also the other thing, I was just thinking, like the young voters, they are not just voters, uh, it's not just voter education that we are talking about because these people eventually, some of them will be politicians mm-hmm. themselves. Yep. Uh, some of them will be leaders of some sort in their individual field. You know, And politics affect everything that we do. So you, you look at some of the more developed countries, they have been having this contention between the wokeness. Yep. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this wokeness started from the school, mm-hmm. from uh, tertiary education, you know, um, and, and it affects how they vote. It affects their voting pattern. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, like, even the young people here, so what, what sort of value are they subjected to? What sort of value uh, they, they, because of different cultural background and li- religion and things like that, maybe uh, they are more drawn to certain type of presentation, more drawn to a certain type of uh, value. You know, how do you navigate that in a context of, like a country like us that is multicultural. We are, we are not, you know, like Islam is not our uh, national uh, religion, right? It's an official religion. It's an official religion, but we are not an Islamic country. No, you know? no, we are not. Yeah, we are, we are still by far a, a, a secular country. Well, even though Dr. Mahathir kind of declared that yeah. many years ago. Correct. So, you know, do, do, I mean, for, for Hadi Awang to say that he wants to form an Islamic state by 2051, uh, that is a bit worrying. I find that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's their aspiration. I mean, when you look at the objective or past, that's their objective. Mm. And I, I don't think we even need to to sugarcoat the whole thing. That's, you, you go to Wikipedia, <laughs> that's their agenda. Mm. So, but what we are saying is that, look, in a multinational, in a multicultural country, you can get 44 parliament seats with this kind of agenda, then something is wrong with our voters. Something is wrong somewhere. Yeah. And, and that this biggest blot is so close to forming federal government. Yeah. And it's just unbelievable. So, so I think that's something for us to think about. Well, what is the solution now? Of course, some people will be like saying, oh, let's not talk about race and religion. We are Bansa, Malaysia. But I feel that is, that, that is not... Uh, have that is not having any traction, you know. People don't want to give up their identity, and that that worry actually also reflects in the market. Yeah. You look at the share market. You look at international news. Mm. They are starting to to talk about you know like Islamic Party. It might be the the next government mm-hmm. in Malaysia, 
and you know the share is really very volatile now. Partly also because of the hung parliament. You know, no one is really running the the, the government now. Um, the longer we wait for the next prime minister, the the worse it is for for the country with this type of economy atmosphere. Yeah, you see, for the longest time, I think the the international market sort of look at Malaysia as maybe we can be the model of moderate Islam. Yeah. Mm. But I think a lot of people don't realize that in terms of religious liberty, Indonesia is actually better than us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't talk about a certain part of Aceh, but overall, uh, you know, there's just more freedom. We're not going into detail, but that's the fact. And, and, and more and more, we're heading towards that if we're not careful. And yeah, so, so many things, like, like Lanshi was saying, the education, the background. And, and that's why going back to what I say, some people will be like, okay, let's go into Bansa, Malaysia. But, but I don't think there is appetite for that because people want to retain their ident- identity. Now, you see, in US, they can say, I'm American, but I'm still Chinese, I'm still Italian, I'm still Irish. Why, why do we need to take out the race? Yeah. So, so I, I think there's no easy solution to that. Mm. But, I mean, even just talking about Indonesia, mm. yeah. um, I was just reading, I mean, I'm not so familiar with the Indonesian political development and things like that, but the, the president, you know, Jokowi mm-hmm. seems to be able to draw uh, foreign investor. You know, just talking mm-hmm. about Elon Musk wanting to to to, to set up a, a, a factory there, um, and and we hear you know job opportunities is really blooming in Indonesia, and and in fact now if you want to get Indonesian workers to come to Malaysia to work, it's not as easy as before yeah. anymore because yep, yep. they have more job opportunities there. You know. So yeah, just things like that, and 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 he, he is a Muslim, um, mm. but somehow the international perception perception mm. of him is he is that moderate, uh, Islam you know Islamic lead, Islamic leader that they 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 felt like they can trust. Yeah, but Najib also has that reputation. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but but Lyra, let me ask you a question. You know, the market is saying, I mean, this is an informal view again, that they prefer Barisan National and Pakatan Harapan in terms of economy, business recovery. Why do you think so? Well, I, actually, I've heard some of my colleagues prior to election, they, they were just saying that they were just commenting, like, even regardless of how corrupted our previous prime minister is, mm-hmm. He basically still like the government still runs. I mean, <laughs> unlike what you see in like Perkata National, I mean the economy so sort of slowed down. Of course, there were a lot of like COVID policy lockdowns and stuff like that. But I think in general, maybe there is a sense of that royal business mm-hmm. deals that are ongoing. I mean, even with Barisan National personnel. I mean, regardless yeah. of how corrupted they are. And then Pakatan Harapan, they also have a bit more um I mean, they are more sophisticated sort of um, professionals. So I guess because of all those things that people are more confident of how they are going to like run the economy and stuff like that. And plus, they are not so extreme. Like, like I mean, the first day when we saw that government has yet to be formed and there were rumours that maybe Barikata National is going to be mm-hmm. formed with the past in power. I mean, we see stocks like alcohol company <laughs> like they just drop and then there were like jokes that say we should just probably stock up some alcohols and stuff like that but then I mean I think this sort of thing is like just even at just 
that sort of consumer sort of sentiment, mm-hmm. people are like feeling the maybe the pinch. I guess that's why people are just preferring Pakatan Harapan mm-hmm. and Barisan National more. I mean, we have seen Pakatan National 1.0 already during the pandemic. Remember with Bersatu, Amno, GPS, yep. PASS, which is the most Malay Islamic centric collision ever. But of course, the difference is really uh, the, the market share of Amno is taken by PASS. <laughs> yeah. so, so I guess 2.0, you know, people are a bit more worried. But do you agree that the economic performance of 1.0 was not satisfactory? No, not at all. I mean, we suffer a lot and I mean, just but is it is it is it them or is it the pandemic? I don't think it's pandemic. I mean, yes, pandemic plays a huge role. I mean, I believe that a lot of money has been siphoned out during pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think it's because of the policy and the way they are just running and everything. Oh, moratorium, everything mm. moratorium. It's like, uh, I think if we are having another moratorium, <laughs> our interest is gonna be hide out another time. But also remember, because that time that Muhyiddin was like calling for the, the state of emergency. Mm. And I think that really shake the confidence of the foreign investor, mm, mm, yeah, probably. Exactly. And, you know, now he's coming back again, potentially. And, and how, how, how is this going to be viewed by, you know, by, by the business people? I mean, from an objective point of view, would you agree that Anwar Ibrahim has a better international standing? Oh, oh I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is made famous because of his political persecution. I, I don't know. But I also mean, his, um, his, I mean, his thing as the previous Minister of Finance. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it was like 20 plus years ago. But still, people somehow keep record of it. I mean, mm. of course, there were no other comparisons thereafter. Yeah, I, I do feel in terms of international standing, I, I'm not sure about China, but generally, I, I think he, people tend to foreign investment will feel more confidence, I guess. So so, I, so maybe that's one of the reasons. But of course, the, the whole thing about we, we're still not having prime minister is really because of the closeness of the result. Uh, and I, I guess we can't really blame Argon for being cautious. But I think by the time you watch this episode, we will have a new prime minister and hopefully it's a good one. Now, Lara, I think the third question we sort of answer really, maybe we can go straight to the fourth one, which is kind of linked with... The anti-hoping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's a lot of sentiment that says... <laughs> um, recently, I just saw some... I think, was it Yobin in a tweet that just literally mm. just showed that, oh, how much Pakatan Harapan has gotten the votes. The, the, the popular, popular votes, votes, yeah. Versus other, peop- um, other parties. But the thing is, in Malaysia, our system is based on Westminster system mm-hmm. versus past the post. So maybe there's a lot of misunderstanding concerning this. So hence, people are a bit more depressed. Yep, but yep. I think it's exactly because of the whole situation like this that all the more people should go out and vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you just look at like Sarawak, Sabah, the voters' turnout rate are way, way, way lower than West Malaysia. Yep, like yep. you're just probably looking at something like 60%. Mm. In comparison to here, maybe some, some states you will have like 80% yep, yep. turnout rate. So, but... Could it be that some of these things are actually being affected by anti-hoping as well? Like uh, in terms of people are just saying, oh, okay, maybe it's less difficult for people to hope around. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like, um, 
I'm actually not too sure about this whole anti-hoping law. Hence, what's the point of voting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Uh, I mean, that's why we go back to to voters' education. You know, not just anti-hoping, but the fact that how how do you determine the winner? You know. So I was just looking at some of the comments. Now, now of course, we we are very well informed. So so it's not the the same. But a lot of people look at the popular votes and say, oh. How come all the losers are ganging up together to be the winner? But that's the rule. It's first past the post. And it's like whoever gets majority in the government, no matter how you come up with, especially if you cannot pass the threshold. In fact, this is very common even in presidential election. Not the American one, but say France, Brazil. You have many candidates. If, no, if, you, if not a single candidate get more than 50%, then you have to go to round two, round three until somebody crossed 50%. And we just saw the news, right? Belgium took 500 days to form their new government. Yeah. That's it's, more than a year. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's like, and a collision consists of seven parties. I mean, even just looking at Israel as yeah. well, five times in two years. Do you think Malaysia is going to that cycle? Maybe, but... I mean, it's very, very hard to predict, you know, like because now you suddenly know that, oh, certain areas are a bit more dangerous sort of seat. How should we vote? I, I was just telling somebody that I feel it's a good thing. Why? Because one of the problems in Malaysia is over-centralization. Hmm. So we talk about federal government. Then we talk about prime minister office, which was at the zenith of its power during Najib's time. So powerful that he could do anything and everything without... Uh, Cabinet doesn't even need to know. Yeah. So, so we're moving away from that. But of course, the price is chaos. Some chaos. So, so do you feel like this is chaos? Actually, I don't feel like it's chaos. I think, I think we're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, we talked already before that. I, I think even if we didn't become prime minister, we are quite okay with that. Hmm. Because, I mean, if he can become prime minister, it is because he can find a support. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, the ball goes back to the voter. You chose and him. It is legal. It is legal. This is not Sheraton. Yeah. And so, but anyway, coming back to anti-hopping law, I, I think it has great impact in terms of how the government is formed. So somebody was just saying that Mohidin said he got 115 statutory declaration. And then and then Zahid said he has a blanket support from, from Barisan <laughs> National. So so, so I'm just gathered. I'm just. I, I gather that Muhyiddin's one one five was rejected by Agon, <laughs> because now, now how the anti hopping law works, we really don't know. Because, for example, uh, if you signed a, a piece of paper, are you are you bound by that? Can you change your mind? Can, because the 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 law just say if you change party, you mm. you have to quick. Uh, you quick, then there will be a by election. But what if you support someone else and you stay in the party? Technically, the law doesn't apply to you. True. Now, of course, DAP tries to amend the law. <laughs> now we're having discussion, right? In my opinion, that law is not going to pass the scrutiny of the court. But we, we haven't seen that yet. And I'm just a bit surprised the political collision are a bit restrained in terms of I'm going to challenge my right in the court. Nobody is doing that. I think GPS got a bit... Uh, blindsided by their over eagerness and now they're like just on the sideline quiet and, and BN I think they did the right thing because if they can't kind of come and support PH 
then both sides of the grassroots supporter are going to demand explanation. How sure. can you work with one another when you try to kill each other for years? But we are not, we are not in the ordinary times, you know. I, I think any collision will require some compromises. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, going forward, you have to come up with some, with some sort of coalition. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, who is going to run the government? And that would require you know, compromises. Uh. And you can't keep talking back about like, you know, in the past that this person is this corrupted and that uh, it then is like no ending. Yeah, it was, it's it's not, pragmatic, mm. not pragmatic as well. Yeah. You know, like... Now, when, when the news about Zahid talking to Anwar, you know, predictably, you start to see reaction. People are like, oh, how can you work with criminals and things like that. Now, this is just my personal take. I, I really feel like after this general election, there shouldn't be any more political persecution over the past incidents. Mm. Because it, it, I, I know a lot of people will disagree with me. But but where do you... You need to have a cut-off point. And this kind of reminds me, you know, Lanshi, we, we talk about Hong Kong ICAC. Mm. Remember, it was so corrupt. And then eventually, they had to, they had to establish ICAC reporting directly to governor because the police chief was corrupt. Hmm. And he, he was a British guy. Hmm. So eventually they caught him and sent him back to UK for trial. But they, then they decided to do something and said, look, we are not going to go after everyone. Otherwise, we have to replace our entire police force. <laughs> it, it's like we can't go against everyone. Otherwise, all the politicians will be in jail. True. Yeah. So, so, so I, I really think like after, I mean, we got Najib already. You, you know, we... Uh, there, there are so many scandals. Are, are you telling me that in 60 years? Then, then what about GPS? You, you know, you want to talk about Tai Mahmood? I kind guess of thing? people, people earlier on, I mean, the last episode, we were just doing the manifesto comparison, right? I mean, I guess moving forward, they should really look at the reform. Mm -hmm. Like what sort of changes do we want to make out of this whole thing? I mean, yep. I think this whole election outcome, personally, I'm quite optimistic about mm -hmm. the whole thing. I think it's really good. As in, we are really moving away, like what you're saying, these, um, like centralization yep. of federal government. So decentralization on itself is the first step. But moving on, it's the reform that we need to see. Mm. Begin to see like some of the things that we don't like, electoral reform, then you change it. And then some of these things like um, even like corruption and stuff like that. I mean, you just tighten up the laws and just make it difficult for people to basically be caught yeah. out. Yeah, some of the things like, you know, like, Damansara, 250,000 registered voter versus Putrajaya, 30,000. I mean, I mean, this kind of thing, even if you are from underrepresented area, you are saying, that, oh, you know, I should have more representation. That's fine, but not that kind of ratio. So these are the kind of things that I, I think people should really think about because you are, you are establishing a boundary that allows the next generation to prosper. And mm. we'll talk about the younger voters which have a bit more ideology sort of mm. forward thinking as well. I think the one thing that we can take away from this whole election is that they don't really buy in so easily to like, oh, you're so corrupted. Oh, you are racist. You are mm. bigot. They, they will sort of like look at the overall sentiment and then they begin to like think about this whole thing. Yep. It's like, do you need to like basically tear down your enemy to to make your point. You know? There's really more of the opposition models of operandi, right? I mean, since G12, G13, G14 even. 
So so I I think like for Pakatan they have to move away from that and and, mm. and I actually felt the last GE they they did, um, they are not so much harping on corruption only because they know that message can only go that far, but they also say look look you know like Anwar was saying I'm going to trim down the cabinet, we we're not going to spend money unnecessarily. So I think all these have traction, over like you say the younger voters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, this is yeah. I I think we kind of. Uh, I mean, our our last question is actually what's next for Malaysia, right? Lanshi, you have any uh, additional take? Then I think we're pretty much. Mm. Well, I think the thing is, this is really like a you know people look at this and 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 think you know what if in another one two years we have to vote again. Uh, voters fatigue because you talk about forming coalition don't know how stable they are you know how long can the the government last and things like that but I think going forward um, like I share your sentiment I think it's very optimistic I think we are heading towards a really a better Malaysia Mm -hmm. and this is really a time you know even when we are talking like this that is also that viral video that talk about May 13. You mm. know, maybe <laughs> it, it, it will happen again. But I would say this, that uh, I, I think Malaysia has uh, matured yep. quite a bit since then. Um, and, and, and we are in a different timeline, you know. So, so, so and, 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 and politicians, you know, don't, don't use the, the, the fear as the foundation yeah. to, to push for your agenda, you know. Um, so... Uh, but but really, going forward, I think we want to see more freedom in speech, freedom in expression, because this will be what the young people want. Yep, yeah, yep. because the younger people, you know, they 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 are so expressive in social media. Mm. They they voice out everything. Some some of them are not unrestrained, you know. So so when it comes to speech, uh, when it comes to political expression. Uh, I, I I would want to see you know mm. what 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 is their view you know what what do they have to give, uh, because sometimes we look at young people and we st- we think you don't know anything lah you know what do you know <laughs> I know it's like Chinese say the type of thing yeah. but but it, it's really quite interesting to see that type of cross generational mm. uh, cooperation uh, even with Muda you know I, I want to see more more young people rising up to. To uh, to to have a go at politics. Yeah. Why not? You know, if you are young, at a twenty some something year old, you can go to school, accounting school. You can be a medical doctor. But why why not be a politician? Why not start young? You know. I yeah. mean, earlier on we were just talking about um, among our friends, right? Why why do all the pre-M candidates <laughs> very advanced in age? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, do you know Mohidin and Anwar are same age, seventy-five? That's my dad's age. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, my, my, my concluding point would be, you know, we started off with GPS and I wanted to end with GPS because I think this election will mark the beginning of the end of government knows best. Mm. So I think one of the picture is really Mahadev going out, losing his deposit. And one of the young guy who is involved in politics was just telling me, that is so shocking to see Amno unraveling like this. Mm. And I believe if GPS doesn't change, they will unravel just like that. It could be just one moment because the young people are not going to put up with I know best. And I think that 
that that is a that's a good indication for our future. So I, I think all the viewers and listeners, you know, I, I believe this election has been good, regardless of who is the prime minister. But of course, by the time you watch this video, you will have a new prime minister already. <laughs> yeah, I'm personally also very optimistic because suddenly the talks about possibly, I mean, eventually we might see a prime minister from East Malaysia. Yep, yep, just becomes I, within our sight, you know. So I think it's really, right. really something that is so unimaginable. I think even in the last GE, you would not have thought about this whole thing, but now suddenly the game has changed. Oh, a non-Malay prime minister? Yeah. W why is it so hard? You mm. know, because we we live under the spectre of May 13th, of NEP and things like that. So the new generation just has that opportunity to move away from all the baggages of history. Now, it takes time. Like you say, you know, are we going to go through many cycles like Israel? You know, maybe, maybe. Mm. I, I think you can't change the foundation just like that. Yeah, but as we move away from all this thing, I think it's really moving away from all this stigma of the past. Yeah. And then just look forward to a better future. Like you said, surely there's a cutoff date for everything. I mean, a cutoff date for the traumas that the land has suffered. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay, with that, oh wow, we have kind of exceeded our time. I'm <laughs> not sure we're going to edit. But anyway, I, I think that's all the, the analysis we have. And we have three parts of the election series. Uh, I don't know, you know, next episode, if we have a new prime minister, do we want to talk about it or, or we move on to other topic? But until next time then, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.